Sideways, an urban fantasy series written and narrated by Andy Havens. You're listening to book one, Awake. This and the second book, Aware, are available on Amazon as print and ebooks. You can get the Amazon links, learn more about the series, read the development blog, create fan fiction, and read the first book for free at thesideways.com. That's T-H-E-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the books in any form, I'd really appreciate a share on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, I suppose, or Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, Pinterest, Flickr. Chapter 2. Labyrinth. When the green man and the gargoyle brought the girl to the library, Mr. Monday thought she was dead at first. Sometimes simpler creatures believe a sacrifice will earn power or influence, which may be true in other domains, but not in the library. As Monday's mentor had told him a very long time ago, the truth of a sacrifice is only as powerful as its effects. Watching them via one of his simplest ways, Monday murmured, Take your blood and broken bodies to a master of change. I only see what is. He felt them before he saw them when they set foot on the concrete steps outside the library. The mundanes would see only a tall, thin man with a blue laundry bag on his shoulder and a bulldog by his side. An ugly bulldog. A short, fat, slobbery, cross-eyed, ugly bulldog. Monday immediately saw across their seeming and knew that the man wasn't human, the bag was a dead girl, and the dog a minor gargoyle. The two stone lions that guarded the steps didn't even bother to stop them. Very few reckoners ever brought anything like a challenge into the library. None who did emerged whole. The lions were there as a warning. Stated simply, they declared, Mr. Monday does not tolerate foolishness. Why didn't he know immediately that she wasn't dead? Because he didn't take the time to look. He could have read her line or focused on her condition as soon as she was brought inside, but he assumed the greenman simply wanted, as did all his visitors, information of some sort. A book or a lineage, a map, recipe, tale, or history. Monday didn't care for the new digital forms as much, but he had them available for the technophiles. Most of his serious clients still preferred paper, or clay, or a variety of other highly unique media. The body, the greenman, the gargoyle, all inconsequential. Mr. Monday went back to his reading, Musical Architecture by Huynh Breedy, his copy being only one of three that hadn't been lost to time and trouble. A few minutes later, though, he sensed the greenman again as he stepped across the first seeming in the atrium, Monday only noticed it as you might a car horn in the traffic outside or the shifting of a cloud shadow on your window. The library was frequented by a great number of reckoners as well as mundanes. Something for everyone, eh? That's what a library is for, after all. When the greenman began to move against the second seeming, though, 
Monday looked up from his reading and cocked his head for a closer listen. Those who had been to the library before, and especially regular clients, knew how to request a meeting. You ask a lesser clerk to see if the librarian is available. They either know his schedule well enough to answer directly, or they call for details. Mostly they know which patrons he'd be willing to see immediately, and which needed to be calendared. You don't just start pushing into the core of the library uninvited. It's rude. It would be like someone walking into your bathroom and chatting you up while you showered. Bad form, at least. Possibly even hostile. So, Mr. Monday stood up, saved his place with a page from his Dilbert calendar, walked out of his private office, and into the administrative area. Depending on how well you knew the library, whom you wanted to see, and how well you reckoned, it could have looked about eight different ways. Monday, of course, saw them all at once. He was the librarian, after all. As he walked down the hallway, several employees and patrons waved or nodded or murmured a word of greeting. He smiled back and wove between the various people, carts, oculi, and shelves to the door at the end of the hall, and went out into the atrium. The green man was struggling with the second seeming. He thought he was moving into a place that looked vaguely like the stacks, but with taller shelves and books made out of stone. There was less light, more shadows, a seeming laid on to do exactly what it was doing to him prevent his entering further without assistance. Monday, though, was a curious person, as you'd expect. So rather than move out and confront the intruder as he struggled, he opened the second seeming entirely, and let him pass into the next way of the domain. Not the center, where he had his office, but closer to the administration way. Have you ever been in a library and felt the presence of the books? A quiet, musty sense of being watched, because, of course, books read people, too. Most dedicated bibliophiles, even mundanes, can feel the pressure of all those words, pages, stories, and lore. The part of your mind that breathes language feels as if it's either underwater or in the mountains. The mental pressure is different in a library, and it isn't entirely benign, is it? It's not always comfortable there, alone among the stacks. The greenman plunged through the seeming and into the next way like a horse tripping into the ocean. He went down on one knee and swung the body around in front of him so it wouldn't tip him backwards. The gargoyle went a few steps beyond that point but stopped when he sensed his companion's trouble. It had been so long since Monday had apprenticed to his original master that he could barely recall the first time he'd been pushed into a true sanctuary of sight the place where the real work is done. He vaguely recalled feeling as if he'd suddenly seen through a thousand pairs of eyes and heard a hundred conversations at one time. A rushing and pouring out of pictures, thoughts, sounds, light and shadow, a jungle of meaning. For one who is untrained and unaccompanied, it was quite nightmarish. The greenman let the girl's body roll out of his arms and onto the stone floor. He wrapped his arms around his head and tried to fold in on himself, trying to keep out the flood of images and sounds, what some of Monday's younger staff had taken to calling content. The gargoyle seemed to be having an easier time. He looked confused. Most of his kind would be confused by a pinwheel, Monday thought, but not troubled, closer to a true natural than many. He made a slow circle around the greenman, stopped to sniff the air a few times before looking right at the librarian. Monday spoke. 
I'll give you this. You found me quicker than most have. The creature growled. Why this? His gray skin was streaked with white. Pigeon guano, if I don't miss my guess. He had wings folded up like a bedroll on his back. Ornamental, probably. The librarian applied enough control over the seeming to tone down the rush of images and sounds. The greenman must have perceived the change as a profound relief, as his arms came down from around his head, and he leaned his hands on the floor. Monday knew what the greenman was going to do before he moved. Long dreadlocks trailing behind him like black smoke, he surged to his feet and charged right at the older-seeming man, his green, diamond-shaped eyes bright and wide with anger. The Greenman climbed three steps to the top of the atrium within about a yard of the librarian before Monday raised one finger slightly, letting the full effect of the way of erasure wash across the intruder, at which point the Greenman stopped as if he'd slammed into a wall and held himself very, very still. What did he feel? Hard to describe, but imagine you could sense all your memories, all your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and skills as a limb, an extra arm or a leg, or maybe an eye? Yes, a, an eyeball is a better analogy. And imagine that as you were running, you suddenly saw that someone had an ice pick waiting at just the right place to plunge into that third eye and destroy every thought you'd ever had every feeling, every memory, every ability. Not a nice feeling, is it? Monday asked. But, he continued in low, slow tones, I don't like being attacked in my own library. Why, Monday continued, do you people think that because we're bookish, we're slow? There's this almost inbred notion that academics, professors, teachers, librarians, and researchers are plodding, sloth-like creatures. Maybe when we're out under the sun, but not here, not in our realm. Monday sighed, so easy to predict, so easy to control. The Greenman shifted his eyes to try to look for some way out. If you move, the librarian said to him quietly, My word will gut your soul. Do you understand? He managed to nod without moving his head, and Monday eased back a bit. The greenman sensed he had enough room to breathe, and just barely managed to do that without falling down. Then Monday felt a slight pressure on his leg. When he looked down, he saw that the gargoyle had his pointy stone teeth wrapped gently around his shin. He looked up with those simple animal eyes and managed to convey a look of both apology and threat. As clearly as if he had spoken, Monday knew what he meant was, I'm sorry to have to do this, but if you hurt my friend, I'm going to bite your leg clean off. Monday laughed and released the way entirely, not because he was afraid, but because the creature was just so obvious and straightforward, and yet he had managed to come further into the librarian's domain than his supposedly craftier and more intelligent friend. There's a lesson there for all of us, Monday thought. The greenman visibly deflated and looked at the librarian with suspicion and fear. Good. That's more like it, Monday said. Now, what do you want? 
Monday stood absolutely motionless, sensing that his own stillness made the green men even more uncomfortable. Green men are horribly good at reading body language. In his library, Monday did not speak in any unintended fashion. The intruder gestured with his hand at the body on the floor. She's seen things, he said quietly, that she does not understand. She's not dead. Monday assumed not, but sometimes we asked to be sure. He shook his head, just in shock. She was sprayed with sky blood. Then she should be dead, Monday replied. Contact with an ethereal humor is almost always fatal for mundanes. It usually presents as a heart attack or aneurysm. Yes, I know, the greenman said, but she opened a shadow way. You mean a mold? She filled a transition mold? The greenman shrugged. Yes, if you say so. See, she's not of the domain of the garden's owner, the topiary garden, where it happened, because of what happened, because of how... The law isn't clear. But if I left her in the street and lean her up against a bench or something, somebody would have gashed her. Look, he stepped backwards and rolled the girl from her side onto her back. He moved her arm from across her chest so that Monday could see her collarbone. There were several spotty, iridescent blue marks on her skin. Sky blood. You're right, the librarian said. Someone would have, as you so succinctly put it, gashed her. Ethereals don't have many friends and fewer servants. Any of the gangs would have thought her a tag. The greenman just nodded, still staring at the girl's shoulder. Now that Monday looked closely, he could see that she was still breathing. The gargoyle broke the silence with a noise that sounded to Monday like, Burf! The greenman stood. I have to go, he mumbled. Do you think? I, I don't know. I just thought I should bring her somewhere. She has no house, not that I know of. The garden might still kill her or claim her. The law is unclear. But you answer questions. You know things. And you were nearby. He shrugged again. This place? I didn't know what to do. I thought you could find out more. Monday waved away his comment, shaking his head. I'll take care of it, he said, which is all the intruder had ever wanted the librarian to say to begin with. You can go now. They both turned to go, but before they reached the door to the foyer, Monday said, Don't come in here again without asking. They didn't slow or nod or show any sign that they'd heard as they left. Monday crouched down on the stone floor to have a better look at her. They wouldn't be bothered, as the atrium was a place in between other places, and only open to the librarian and some of the senior clerks, and they knew well enough not to bother Monday while he was inside. As he'd often said, good staff is the heart of a great library. She seemed like a standard mundane to Monday, a chronic, he thought to himself, as I believe the slang term the young folk are using these days. A girl, small for fifteen, Monday, of course, could tell her age to the day from the briefest glimpse. Her brown hair was cut shorter in back than in front, so the bangs fell over her cheek. She was lying on her side, and he could see that the knees of her jeans were dirty. Not grubby, but actually dirty, as if she'd been kneeling in soil. There was dirt under her fingernails, too. The greenman said something about a garden. Maybe she worked there, or was hiding. Her skin was pale, which could have been from shock or injury. Pleasant enough to look at, Monday thought, if you don't mind spending time with mundanes, that is. He spoke to her then, in a soft voice, almost a whisper. There's something so unnerving about you all sometimes. I can clench my teeth and be a nice host if I must. 
but it's like being around the truly blind or children who won't behave. Some part of me always wants to simply get up and leave. But the shimmering blue blotches near her shoulder hinted at a story. And what kind of librarian can ignore that? Monday didn't believe that curiosity killed the cat. His theory was that she had been the victim of bad planning. And he hadn't lived, well, a very, very long time without getting quite good at planning for the possible effects of his curiosity. He called for a clerk, whomever was nearest, he didn't care, to come assist him. Wallace Bradstreet quietly approached. No real aptitude for serious research, Monday thought, but stout enough for today's needs. He was reaching down to touch her on the shoulder near the blue patch when he was interrupted from behind. Sir, the young clerk said softly, please bring this person to my office directly, Monday said, rising from a crouch. He would later think how much would have been different had Wallace been just a moment later, had I touched her skin at that moment. Turning to walk back to his office himself, he saw that Wallace had made no move to comply. Wallace, he asked, when I brought up, is there a problem? Sir, he whispered, she's not, you know, awake? I know that, Wallace, Monday replied. That's why I called you. Please carry her to my office and put her on the rug in front of the fireplace. He still looked unsure. Pick her up in your arms, Wallace. Carry her into my office. Place her gently on the rug by the fireplace. I understand that, sir, he said, clearly uncomfortable, but she's a... You know, I think, the librarian replied, that I know what she is, and I know what I want. Please do as I've asked. Yes, sir, he mumbled, bending to pick her up. Monday supposed Wallace was worried that she'd wake up in his office, his sanctum sanctorum, and become disoriented. Some of the inner workings of the library had that effect on mundanes. As long as Monday was with her, though, he could mitigate the effects of his ways. What would happen after that was anyone's guess. Wallace carried her in front of him like a groom would carry a bride across the threshold and followed Monday through the administration area and back into his office. He put her down very gently on the thick patterned hearth rug and stood up, stretching his back muscles a little bit. Perhaps not as stout as I'd thought, mused Monday. Anything else, sir? Not at this time, no. Thank you for your help, Wallace. The young man nodded and left the office. Most of Monday's staff, especially at the lower levels, understood that he rarely engaged in idle chatter or gossip. A few very senior clerks, and of course Mrs. McKee, his assistant, took the liberty of engaging him in conversation occasionally, which was to be expected. One of the rewards of long, devoted service is more personal access to one's superiors. Some of them even had something worthwhile to say once in a great while. Monday sat down to read picking up where he'd left off, and didn't really think of the girl again until he heard her stir. It had been at least an hour since Wallace had deposited her there. She moaned very slightly and took a deep, loud breath. The librarian turned his chair around to watch as she regained consciousness.